we are here. We are live. I'm super excited. Um, this is Jasmine Sandler. I am your producer and host of Wonder Woman in Business. And before I get started today with today's amazing guests, I'm super excited. Um, I want to just give those of you who may be fans of Princess Locker Room and have, don't know anything about Wonder Woman in Business, a little bit of background about the podcast and the reason for this, what I call Wonder Woman in Business movement. So my name is Jacqueline Sandler. I've been doing branding and social media forever. And in the last 10 years or so, I've seen a real movement and a need for female entrepreneurs to have the keys, uh, the tools, the know-how, the resources from those who have been there and done it um, to be able to build themselves up. And that's, what I'm, that's my own mission. So what I do is I reach out to awesome women that I call Wonder Women, um, and I will get into it, but I'm a little bit of an artist myself. So I really enjoy talking to other creative professionals. Um, so with that being said, I would like to welcome today's guest. We are on episode number 13, which I think is a lucky number um, <laughs> for Wonder Woman in Business. Um, welcome to the show, Princess Locker. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Jasmine. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited today. Um, this is going to be great. So before we get started, I just want to give a little bit of a background. Again, I try to give everybody's bios, but all my ladies are superstars. So um, please expand on it if I miss anything, which I probably will. But um, so Princess Lockeroo is a multifaceted uh, performance artist in dance. And you also have a background in musical theater, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So she does choreography and artistic direction and music production for stage and film costume and makeup design, all the things that I am terrible at, so I'm super excited to <laughs> your brain today. Um, she's been an advocate of bringing the popular and expressive 1970s disco, which I personally think is the best form of dance, in my own personal opinion. Um, this style called whacking, which I never knew the term, um, back into the spotlight. So she's a student of the legendary Soul Train dancer, Tyrone Proctor. Um, for all, those of you that know Soul Train, which actually I do, my mom used to watch it. Um, and she's a whacking specialist and emphasizes on the freestyle element of the dance, which encourages the development of the individual dancer, which is something I want to get into today. And she really embodies that through everything that she does. She has an amazing brand. She teaches at Broadway dance where I take vocals. So we're going to talk about that today and, and other schools as well. So, you know, I know there's a lot here and also she was on, was it season eight of So You Think You Can Dance? Yes. It's amazing. So um, tell me what I missed. Anything you want to add to that? Well, you know, whacking has become, you know, my medium of expression. And this dance really was a journey of self-discovery for me as an artist and as a woman. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm an educator, an activist, and an event producer. And it's all kind of surrounding whacking. So I teach self-empowerment around the world through whacking and I also produce whacking dance events, international dance events that raise uh, funds for LGBTQ organizations like, uh, like Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, Dancers Responding to AIDS LGBTQ Center. Whacking is actually a gay dance style that originated in the gay clubs of 1970s California. Wow, that's why I've never heard of it. That's amazing. So I have my, my first huge question for you is about your name. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so um, tomorrow, if those of you don't know, you should know because we've been blasting it every single day. <laughs> you know, Wonder Woman in Business is having our inaugural New York City event. It's called the Art of Entrepreneurship. 
And it's a panel discussion, and Princess Hopper is one of our panelists, talking about the convergence and commonalities between being a creative professional and artist and being an entrepreneur. So I know we're getting ready for that. Um, but as a prep, you know, people have been asking me, like, who, who is she? What is she about? And what is the name about? So can you talk about that a little bit? So, you know, all dancers, we have these really cool dance names that become somewhat of our alter ego, or as I like to call, our superhero. So Princess LaCroix is everything that I already am and everything that I believe in, magnified, multiplied, and exaggerated. She's fearless, strong, absolutely fabulous. And, um, you know, in my mind, she's half superhero, half Hollywood starlet with just a dash of badass New Yorker. And she represents power and elegance. And the name was, uh, Lockaroo was given to me by one of my first dance teachers. And I entered my very first dance battle, uh, maybe it was 2006, uh, as Princess Lockaroo and the rest is history. <laughs> wow, that is really cool. So she, did she have a reason for that name or she just kind of came so up with So my it? dance teacher Specs, he was, uh, he was one of my first dance teachers and actually locking was one of the first styles that I started that, doing. So I started off as a locker. So that's why Lockeroo. Um, oh. and yeah, yeah. But then, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I've dabbled in many different styles and, but wh whacking kind of took over, <laughs> but I, it was too late to change my name. You know, you can't, rebranding is difficult. <laughs> well, I know I do it for a living. I hear you. Yeah. And it's, it's cool because it has a history and I think yeah. um, it's interesting, you know, because I didn't know how it was related, but it's all dance related. And that's pretty interesting. And also, yes. you know, your evolution, your brand. So I know I'm taking your class next Thursday, by the way, dance. Um, and I can't wait. I'll be in the back because I'm uncoordinated. But anyway, <laughs> but for those of the, for those that are unfamiliar with the dance style, um, can you kind of define, like give us a visual. You don't have to stand right. up, you know, right. but a visual of what is whacking, how is it different than traditional disco dance? Got it. Well, as I said, whacking was birthed in gay clubs and it was inspired by movie stars like Greta Garbo, Marilyn Monroe, Marlena Dietrich. And you think about the way these women pose, the elegance. And what whacking, what whacking really did was it united the elegance of disco, the opulence of Hollywood and the flamboyance of the gay community. And, you know, in the 70s, homosexuality was frowned upon, gay people would be harassed or right. treated or yeah, judged for just being themselves. So the dance and these clubs created an outlet and a platform for these men to be themselves, to accept themselves, to feel empowered. So really that's what the dance is about. It's about being yourself and not trying to look like anybody else. And so 20 years later, this dance has come back into the spotlight and it's doing the same exact thing for disempowered individuals. And it really helped me embrace every aspect of who I am. So physically, there's a lot of really cool arm movements. The, the word whack um, came into fruition as a way to describe the dance because you're whacking your arm. Oh, okay. Um, but there's many, but it, it's what it is, is it's, it's becoming a, a conduit of the music. Because disco, you know, is very, it's very dynamic. Disco, 70s disco was recorded with live orchestras and the music is very influenced by classical music. So right, yeah. So there's so many layers and what you wanna do is make all of the layers in that music visual. Another big influence or another way to describe it visually is like 
a drag queen. If you, drag queens always perform in the gay clubs before you know the DJ hops on. So drag was very influential to the dance as well. When you see a really good drag queen perform, they are their lip sync is on point. It's perfect, timing wise, right? And then they're also performing, exaggerating because they're not really singing. So they take it to a whole other level of performance. Mm -hmm. Now imagine a drag queen that cannot lip sync and they have to use their body and their hands and their face in order to express and give the same performance to the music. That's whacking. I love it. I love it. You know, I'm always, you know, as an entrepreneur, let's shift to that for a second, right? As an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur, there's days that you are down. It, it's a it's a hard, long road, no matter what anybody says. This is my fifth business in mm -hmm. so right. You know, and, I, and you know, I think that dance is very uplifting, and I think a lot of people turn to obviously I'm a singer and songwriter, but people really turn to dance. I've seen it more and more to be able to lift their spirits and express themselves. And I love and I love that whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, right? So I love that you said that what you're doing is helping um, to empower women and empower people in these communities. So can you talk a little bit about how you've seen dance help people and maybe give us an example? Right. Well, you know, I've traveled to over 27 countries around the world teaching this dance. And whacking has become extremely popular in Asia and in communities where being gay is not accepted, and also where women are not encouraged to express themselves physically or verbally in an empowered way. And the transformation is really, really amazing. Um, and I think, you know, the science behind it is muscle memory. As human beings and yeah. as dancers, of course, we rely on muscle memory. And so in order to do the dance, you have to be confident. You have to embody power. And that's part of what I teach. So the repetition of, you know, embodying this confidence and being a diva, well, th that feeling will eventually live inside your body and then translate to all other aspects of your life. And I know personally, because before I, I started this dance, I was not the person you see today. I had very low self-esteem. I was depressed. I didn't feel good about myself. And the and creating Princess Lockaroo really changed all of that, you know. And and it is hard. I mean, you know, Samara sometimes has bad days, but Princess Lockaroo is always there. She's fearless. Nothing <laughs> can stop it. her. So <laughs> all you have to do is just step into your superhero, and you'll be fine. Um, but you know, I think um, also this dance is allowing women and men to embrace and explore their sensuality without objectification. You know what I'm saying? Because we want to, to explore that, that, that feeling and be beautiful and fabulous and sexy, but without it having to be just, you know, about shaking your ass and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I, that's an amazing description. I mean, I took a dance class last night because I don't want to look like an idiot next week when I train in your class. But uh, anyway, so you know what I found is that is that exactly what you're talking about? It takes, so as an entrepreneur, right? You're in your head a lot, mm. right? So I think that body-mind connection is just so important. Like you said, you know, there are days when people feel down and in, in the world of, the world that we're in and that we're going, everything is very public. Like we're, you know, and so, you know, you gotta feel good about yourself. And I think that also gives you a little bit of ground because you're connecting with your body, you're connecting with yourself. You know, it's very, very empowering. So I, I love what you're doing. You know, I think it's great. <laughs> so, 
So what compelled you? Like, I always, I always ask my Wonder Woman guests, because um, everybody's different, right? So when you, were, when you were a little girl, like, what compelled you when you were young? What kind of characteristics or attributes can you think about when you were a kid that have helped you to get where you are today? Anything you can point to? Well, I mean, since I can remember, I came out of the womb wanting to be an entertainer. You know, I was always a performer. And I think, you know, my mom is the kind of mom that just uh, applauded everything that I did and everything that I said. And, you know, I was a very precocious little girl. So even if I said things that were completely inappropriate, I would be getting applause. I was like, it was like I was constantly on stage all the time. You know, I was a funny kid. And so I think that it was like the earliest thing is just making my mom laugh or getting a reaction from her and feeling like, you know, that was the first taste of what it's like to be in front of an audience. That you know, true. She's a very generous audience member. So I think that inspired me. Also, you know, I grew up watching Rodgers and Hammerstein. My mom is a big fan of musicals. And she took me to see Broadway shows when I was very young. And Cirque du Soleil. I mean, seeing Cirque du Soleil when I was about eight oh. years old and seeing Cats when I was maybe seven. I just, I remember them coming in, in both shows. They, the, the performers came through the audience and it was just... I mean, and I remember uh, one of the singers in Cirque du Soleil walked right by me. She looked right at me and I could smell the perfume. And I will never forget that moment. It was just like, I just had to, I had to be one of them, (laughs) you know? Um, I I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, when I discovered dance as an adult, I mean, I started dancing when I was 19. Okay. It was just, it was the, the talent and the passion of my peers. And also, mm-hmm. you know, as a young adult, you get introduced to what it's like to be an adult going to clubs. And my first club experiences were, you know, standing online for an hour, oh, a bunch yeah. of girls in tight dresses, trying to be cute outside. I mean, you know, getting drinks, getting felt up, uh, you know, on by random people in the club. That's what I thought <laughs> clubbing was. But when I discovered the underground dancing, it was a whole other world. I just saw talent and passion. There was a purpose for being there. It was about the music. It was about artistry. And I, was, I fell in love with the dance community and the gay community. So I feel like all of that <laughs> is what made me want to be an entrepreneur in this field. Well, two questions off of that. I love it. You know, you just made me, you made me think back to a couple of times in my life. Um, so I went to grad school in university, Miami, and I used to, this is when I started surfing a million years ago. So I was always, always at the beach after class. And there were these guys that used to break dance, you know, like right where we used to surf. And I remember just like marveling at them and thinking like, and like really enjoying watching the performance and thinking like dancing is so freeing. And, and so I wonder, a question on that is, you know, there's a lot of um, stigmatism on aging, right? Now, yeah, so I'm wondering about dance, you know, cause I go to Broadway dance for vocals and I see a lot of young girls, which makes mm-hmm. sense. But for the, you know, I have a lot of older women in my audience. Um, can you talk about if an older woman wants to get into dancing? Like, what is that all about? Have you seen older women in your class? Talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit. Well, you know, there's so many different industries and outlets for dance. And one of the things about the community that I tapped into globally is that it, there are all ages of people dancing. Actually, there's, um, there was like a, a little mini documentary about these um, uh, elderly people doing hip hop in Japan. 
And actually, every time I go to Japan, I see this group of women who are like the, the, the older generation hip hop crew. And they are so cool. They like pick me up from the airport, take me to the hotel. They're at the dance events. Like they're involved. Like I feel like it's just about finding the, the right community because some communities and some classes will be discouraging, you know, let's face it. And there are people out there that will try to aid you and try to tell you there's no point or you can't do it. And, you know, this, this is actually one of the things I wanted to say about being an entrepreneur. You have to cut all of that negativity out because this is hard enough as it is. <laughs> anybody in your field, of, of contact, of vision, of social media that is giving you that kind of vibe or telling you that you're not enough or that you can't or that you shouldn't, you just have to chop them because it's that, that bad energy will slow you down and stop you. And nobody knows what you're capable of. You know what I mean? There's no reason why you can't uh, do it because it makes you feel happy. And I think that's, that's where it starts. If dancing makes you feel happy, do it. There's no reason why you shouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Um, so talking about entrepreneurism a little bit, can you talk about, because your, your, your craft is a little bit different than you know, the majority of my clients and who I am and my audience. So talk about what it's like to be an entrepreneur as a dancer. What does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? Mm. Well, I feel like in order to be an entrepreneur in dance, you have to have so many skills outside of dance. You have to have a really clear sense of what you represent. You have to have signature style as an artist. Mm -hmm. And import most importantly, you have to have something to say. You know, um, I think that, I mean, for me, I've always had the entrepreneurial bug, meaning I've always wanted to do my own thing. I've always had a vision and wanted to create something and build it. I mean, even when I was in the fifth grade, I wrote a musical and held auditions in my class. Then when, wow. I, was 16, <laughs> I, went, yeah. then when I was 16, I went on to teaching at the 92nd Street Y summer camp, and I, and I was the drama teacher, and I had the job of producing a show with the kids, and so I put on that musical that I wrote in the fifth grade and I recorded the music and I made the costume. My first teaching job I t as, a, as a dance teacher was at an after-school program. I took the kids to Amateur Night at the Apollo. I trained them good. Took them to Amateur Night at the Apollo. They won, they got on the show. Oh my God. They were invited yeah. back. And this is when I was really young and I was still broke. So I didn't have any money. I spent all the money that I had out of my own pocket buying tickets to Showtime at the Apollo the day that they were performing. And I went around to all the dance studios in New York and gave away those tickets, hoping that somebody would come and then hire me. And that's how I got my first job teaching at Perry Dance because somebody from Perry Dance actually came. So I'm sharing that th those stories because it's I like, love it. It's about going the extra mile. You know what I mean? And investing uh, in yourself. And yeah. then you know, as as an artist, I think it's really about when you know when it comes to building your brand, you have to know what you're doing, and it takes time. Like you know, the first time I auditioned for So You Think You Can Dance, I got chopped. I, and, and really, I, I threw together a costume. I just chose a random song. I decided at the last minute, you know, right. I was having wardrobe malfunctions. Of course they chopped me. But when it happened, I was like, how could they not, you know, <laughs> turn me, I won battles. I thought I was all of this and that. And then I, you know, I went back into the lab and I started working a lot harder on developing the character that I was playing, the costume, the storylines, the music. And, you know, and then, and then after getting on the show, that became my signature. I could never do another performance without it having a strong sense of character, uh, a storyline, 
and having the music, you know, um, fit whatever the theme was, you know. So that that became that became like how I built and developed my brand. So even if I'm just doing a judge solo for a battle, you won't ever catch me jumping around to a random song wearing sweatpants. I go all out because that makes that also makes my work presentable on stage and it also makes me bookable as a solo dancer. So every time, even if I have to just go somewhere to some random country and it's a small event and it's, you know, not a lot of people will be there. If I'm gonna do a judge solo, I'll create an act that I can get hired for. You know what I'm saying? And if there's no costume storyline, you will not get booked. And another thing, this is a little harsh, but I mean, this is how I feel. You know, if if you're an artist and you're performing, or you're dancing and you're performing, and at the end of the day, people can't remember your name and they're not running up to you. Sure, with you, you have failed as an artist. You have to be unforgettable. So, um, yeah. <laughs> no, that is. You said so many things that are so important, both as an artist and as an entrepreneur. Yes. Right. I mean, you like you, a couple of things, you know, the unforgettable piece is really important. And that's in the branding work that I do. It's first about defining that brand and you have to own it and you definitely own your brand. And also being unforgettable as a songwriter and a singer. If somebody listens to my song and they don't remember the hook, hook, yeah. I rewrite it. It doesn't ever happen. I love my music, but yeah. my point, no, I'm serious. My, my point is, yes, you can translate that into dance. You can translate that into being on owning an IT business, it doesn't really matter. You have to be unforgettable. And I love what you said about showing up in the right way every single time, no matter how you're feeling, no matter what's going on, no matter what. And as a performer, I mean, from music, I know, even if you're feeling terrible, you still have to present in a way that no one knows. And and I think that you're right, it's, you, there's, it's uh, can be doubly as difficult because you have your performer and you also have to be an entrepreneur. So all those points make sense for anyone that's listening, actually. Um, yes. So um, you know, I, also wanted to, I also wanted to add to that because, you know, I didn't go to school for business or marketing or anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I literally, I just wanted to dance. So I, I put in my 10,000 hours, you know, in developing yeah. artistry. But, and I, and the thing is, I never wanted to work a nine to five, never wanted to sit down at a computer. But what happened was I, you know, and, and I didn't, I didn't know how to build a website. I didn't know what a sponsorship deck was. I didn't know how to write a proper email, but I wanted to produce dance events. And so I, uh, I had to go back and learn how to do all of these other things that I initially had no interest in doing just in order to, you know, support this brand that I had built and my career and to use my platform to inspire change. So just to give you like to um, everybody out there an idea. So some of the skills outside of dance that I had to acquire was being a publicist, a graphic designer, a video editor, a website designer, a grant writer, a fundraiser, a treasurer, a stage manager, a director, um, social media. I had to be a writer, a booking manager, a costume designer, a makeup artist, a music producer, like everything. Because uh, it's not like you had a ton of money and could just pay people to do these things. I had to, in order to support what I wanted to do as an artist, I had to learn how to do these things. So I ended up sitting at a desk for hours, staring at a computer. Um, but it was more meaningful because it was driven by my purpose as an artist. So. Correct. 
Yeah. No, and I, and I love that. And as an entrepreneur, whether you're, because I do a whole course for artists and entrepreneurs, whether you're an artist or you're not, if you, you have to, when you start off, you have to have that laundry list of to-dos. And eventually, eventually, your goal is, right, that you want to focus on your craft more and that you can hire people or outsource those things, right? Mm -hmm. But initially you do, and it doesn't actually hurt to do it because you start to understand it better. So then when you do eventually have enough money to hire somebody or hire a team, you can know what you're looking for. And in my world, that's important because I hate working with clients that have no idea what they want, but they want everything. It doesn't work for anybody, you know what I mean? So it's good that you go through that, what I call maturation process in marketing. So my next question, um, and I'm sure this is gonna be a big answer, because I know I have a big answer when people ask me this, but who do you admire most as an artist? And it could be a singer, a dancer, and why? Wow, so, um, so you, if I'm gonna narrow, it's hard to narrow it down to one because there's just so many. All right, give us, give us a couple, couple female artists. So, well, the first, so as an, uh, as an artist, I mean, Jodi Watley is one of the most incredible singers and artists. She also, you know, is a mentor of mine. I've toured with her and she also learned whacking from Tyrone Proctor because she was on Soul Train with him. And she is still making music. She is still putting out songs. She just does not stop. And um, I think she's an absolute wonder woman and she's an icon. But, you know, more personally and closely to me, one of, one of, the, one of the biggest influences have been drag queens. And I'm also a, a bio queen, which means that I am a female drag queen. So I got up and oh, very cool. Um, and I, I used to go to see Bob the drag queen, who is uh, the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, I used to go and see her show all the time. And she, I mean, it was like watching a Broadway show. She taught me how to perform, really. I owe so much to watching her show. And what was fascinating was, you know, I would bring everybody to her show. I even brought straight friends to come and see her show. Who wow. I never, never want to be in a gay club, you know? But then after seeing her show, whatever bias they might have had or fear about being in that environment was just gone because all this they didn't see gender anymore and i think that is extremely powerful as an artist and so bob the drag queen and pangina heels pangina heels is actually a student of mine and uh and is now the rupaul of thailand she is the host of rupaul's drag race thailand and she went on to you know coaching uh you know miss universe pageant uh contestants, how to walk down a runway, doing high fashion shows. I love it. Um, because, because of what she put into her art. But it started with whacking and just performing as, as a drag queen. But seeing what, seeing what you can do with your artistry, seeing where these artists have taken their craft and, and watching them do it from the ground up, it's just fascinating. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and you touched on something that I think is kind of important. I don't know if you meant to, but um, you know the, the cross between fashion, dance, performance, and having a collaborative network of peers and contemporaries, right? Um, can you talk a little bit about how that's helped you build your career? Just talk about that a little bit, because we all have our own stories. Yeah, well, you know, there's, there's so many different types of scenes and communities that you can get involved in. 
you know, Agreed. as an artist. And I feel like being part of many different communities is what has helped contribute to myself as an artist as an, and as an entrepreneur. There are so many dancers and teachers and my peers, the people who I go to clubs with, the people who I judge competitions with, the people who are dancing and I'm judging and watching them. They inspire me to stay on top of everything that I'm doing as an artist. You know what I mean? They keep me on my toes. Yeah, accountable. Like, oh my God, you know, you see something so amazing and you're like, oh man, I gotta go, I gotta go practice. It's yes. like, I do that all the time. And so I'm constantly inspired just personally. And then, you know, but also stepping outside of, of your scene and of your comfort zone and like hanging out with other entrepreneurs or people who work in totally different industries and fields, you can learn so much from those people. So it's really good to just step outside of your, your comfort zone as well. Yeah, I love it. I, in my world, we talk about, well, I talk about building this social, social ecosystem of where you want to be not where you are. Because I find that somebody asked me on some interview I was on, you know, if I spend my time, you know, solely with female small business owners and female entrepreneurs, and I said, no. I said, I'm in multiple communities and multiple pockets. Um, mm -hmm. I'm hoping to help and support my peers. However, it's really about looking at women or even men that have been there, done that, um, and getting involved in those communi communities. Because like you said, it, you can always learn. I, yes. I learn. I personally learn more in a conversation than sitting down and reading a 500-page book. You know, not like it's bad, but I think that's really important for people to understand um, and to get out there and try. And I like how you're talking about not being afraid of things because that's what holds us back. As well as I like that you talk about the negativity and getting rid of it. You said right, and and it's that's important to identify when something is negative as well. So that being said, um, you know, we've all had our ups and downs. Can you illustrate a time where you, you know, didn't do so well and how you climbed out of it? Hmm. Well, business-wise or personal? Business. Or business? business, yeah. In business? Well, it's funny. Um, so when I got on So You Think You Can Dance and the show aired, I was not thinking with an entrepreneurial mindset whatsoever. Because at the same time, I just began touring internationally. And I was in my early 20s, and I was so excited. And I was like, finally, I'm getting to see the world and teach whacking around the world. I didn't have a website. I wasn't keen on using social media. So all of the hundreds of thousands of people that tried to connect with me on Facebook when the show aired, I just completely ignored their message. Uh, all of those people into capital. If I had, I mean, I went on with that, the spy act, you know what I mean? Which was yeah, course. I could have sold, sold briefcases and spy glasses <laughs> on my website. I could have done some merchandising. Of course. I could have sold yeah, and I was not thinking about that at all. And I also, you know, but I didn't, I didn't know. I had never put it, that was before I sat down at a computer and tried to learn something other than dance. So, right. you know. I mean, I, I still ended up, you know, everything happens for a reason, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I ended up touching people's lives, you know, at the, during that time around the world. But um, had, I, had I had somebody to guide me <laughs> through that who knew a little bit more about business at that time, then I probably would have ended up 
I don't know, maybe with a, a little bit more capital or just a bigger following or um, a deeper connection to my fans that I don't know. Right. Well, there's a couple of things there. Yes, you had impact. And I think personally, I think that's better than anything anybody could do is have positive impact on someone else. But secondly, you matured and you took action. And I think I've, oh my God, so many bands and I, I do a lot of music and artists and music and artists that don't take action after they've made a mistake is what keeps them stuck. So I love that you talked about that. That's so important for everyone listening. If you identify that you're stuck somewhere, you have to identify it, address it, and take action. That's so, so important. Otherwise, you're not going to grow, right? Sorry, what were you saying? And, you know, and the other thing that, I mean, another low point is a mistake that I made multiple times. <laughs> and it, this, uh, you know, this has to do with mentors and people that, you know, teachers or managers, people that, you know, promise you the world and say that they're going to change your life and they're going to do all this, but then they own you. I mean, I literally had dance teachers who taught me so much about dance, but in the beginning of my dance life said, well, you know, if anybody wants to work with you, just send them to me. And my 20 right. year old self was like, okay, yeah, I'm a dance teacher and I'm part of a crew and, you know, but I didn't really look at that person's background. Hmm, has that person worked in the oh, industry absolutely. ever? Has that person managed other artists? What is that person doing? How is that person making money? How is that person, like, these are important questions. And anybody who tells you that you don't have the, that you shouldn't find out those details when you're working with somebody, you know what I mean? You have a right to know. Um, so that happened multiple times where, you know, I became friends with people and we had this sense of camaraderie or community and it cross pollinated into the way that I was handling myself as an artist business wise. So, you know, I got stuck a couple of times and it, you know, I ended up wasting a lot of, a lot of good time. Here's the thing, you know, nobody should own you. You know what I'm saying? Even, you oh, know, I, this is, this is the Wonder Woman in Business show. Exactly. That's what it's all about. That's yeah, what it's all about. No one should. This is about. This show is about being your best self that you can be and owning your value as a person. Mm -hmm. So that no one can own you. And I, I love what you said because I think being an artist is similar to being a smart business owner. Because in my, you know, I've had many businesses and we always do due diligence. This is what investors do, right? So why would you not do the same exact thing when you're going to work with a potential manager or a potential venue mm -hmm. or a potential promoter or whatever? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, so yeah, I think you need that, that checklist, mm -hmm. right? And you yeah. also need to have that, like, that own sense of what is right and what is wrong, right? When you're, mm -hmm. when you're making these decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, but you know, and in the dance community, honestly, you know, a lot, we don't really talk about these things enough. There's one thing I really, and I'm really glad that we're doing this, uh, <laughs> this interview, because I think I a lot of people will tune in and finally, we'll finally get to talk about these things or hear these things, because, you know, there's a sense of loyalty that comes with having a teacher. Then it's like, oh, you know, even in some, even in some countries, in some places, you know, if you go to one studio, then it's like a crime to go to another dance studio just because you belong to that place, even if they're bringing a special artist. So I've gone, I've gone to countries and students wouldn't come take my class because I wasn't going to teach at their studio where they go to take classes. 
I mean, this is just, you know, BS. You, you go wherever it is that you need to go to better yourself as an artist, because the truth is that these people, right. you know, they're not going to matter in the long run. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they they need to take, take care of yourself first, right? Yes, you have to put yourself first. And there's nothing wrong with, with doing that. <laughs> No, there's, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Believe me, I'm in band four and I'm, I'm the manager. I'm so happy because it's a growth process mm -hmm. and it's about what's right for me in this situation. That's everyone. You've got mm -hmm. to think about what's right for me. What's my brand? What do I believe in? So with that being said, how would you define a Wonder Woman in business? What does that mean to you? Mm. A Wonder Woman, a, a woman who just never stops, no matter what. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why behind me, she's flying, right? Yes. <laughs> always moving forward. Yeah. And that you get is, knocked down, get back up. <laughs> yeah. It's like synonymous to being an entrepreneur. You got to keep going. I love what you said at the beginning of the show, though. You talked about your brand and how you can step outside of Samara or Jasmine and jump into your Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. Puts that armor around you. That's very cool. I really like that vision. And I hope that people really take from that. So let's talk about a couple of things that you hold dear to your heart in terms of your values. Mm. Can you talk about what your value, your own, just a couple of things that you really believe in that you, you wouldn't change for anybody. Some of your values. Mm. Mm. Honesty, of course, loyalty, you know, the thing when it, when it comes to doing business or any personal relationship, honesty is so important because the thing is, if you're working with somebody who isn't being honest, or if you're not being honest with somebody, you are not giving that person the opportunity to make life choices based on the truth. They will make decisions based on what they believe is true. And that is wrong. So honesty is really important to me. Um, as far as, uh, so it, Gender equality is, is one of the biggest um, issues for me. All genders, you know, whether you're trans, whether you're, um, I mean, whatever, whatever, there's so many different genders on the spectrum. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not, there's <laughs> not seven, right? <laughs> so, no, you know, just being treated as equal and being seen as equal and, and being given the same opportunity and the same platform and yeah. also you know because I, I i really give so much credit to the gay community for birthing me as an artist like i would not be fierce and fabulous if it were not for all the gay men in my life who have inspired me so <clears throat> giving credit where credit is due is really important to me oh you know, paying homage and giving back you know the soul train dancers they set the platform for all of my generation to be able to do what we do jumping around to different countries touring and teaching these dance styles wouldn't have reached that far if it hadn't been for what they did on soul train and the soul train dancers were not paid they were given chicken and coca-cola yeah they were not paid and 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 you know so what you really have to think about you know who came before you and opened up the path i love it and then um another thing that i'm really passionate about is veganism so I've been vegan for about 15 years and I just feel like, I mean, it changed my, my body. It changed my life mentally. It made me feel better and calmer and more peaceful, you know? So I feel like, um, I, you know, and also a lot of dance events are, you know, sometimes they're sponsored by, you know, sports drinks that are poisonous that will kill you. 
Um, Meanwhile, these fancy <laughs> yoga retreats and, you know, <clears throat> they'll be sponsored by, you know, coconut water and all of these healthy snacks. And, you know, I feel like that part of that is, um, is systematic racism. You know what I'm saying? Like their food inequality is systematic racism. And I feel like dancers are athletes and we should be eating the type of food that is going to enhance our performance and make our body stronger. So I felt a difference from when I was not vegan to when I became vegan. Uh-huh. And I feel like it's, it's helped me stay younger. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just want to share that with the world and also, and, and with my peers. So at, you know, at, at my event that I produce every year, I produce an international dance whacking festival at the house of yes. And we, uh, where, where is that? It's uh, the house of yes. It's in, yeah. it's in Bushwick. It's one of oh, the, okay. In Brooklyn. Yes, House of Yes is back. They're like they're like the new Studio Fifty Four with a twist of Cirque du Soleil. They're like amazing. (laughs) It's really an amazing space. So, um, so yeah, and we it's a vegan event. So what what we do is we give free vegan food to everyone, and we also um, donate money to Broadway Cares or Dancers Responding to AIDS. And also, uh, we worked with Callan Lord this year, which is uh, a gay health organization and they provide testing and information about um about health oh. so i think all, all of that is really <clears throat> really important to me health what? quality <laughs> wow so much there i think that you must be a very disciplined person personally to be able to stay in <laughs> i mean that in itself you have to make the right choices every single day and no matter where you are and you mentioned that you travel quite a bit so mm-hmm. that has a lot to do with discipline plan and I think that's a underlining critical characteristic of being a good entrepreneur that's critical so you know what I get out of what you said is holding to those values has helped you to succeed and it's about being disciplined and supporting those so good for you so well I'm definitely going to come to your event in Bushwick so it's down the street um talking of course so talking about um your events besides tomorrow which listen Everybody needs to come to this tomorrow. <laughs> um, we only have like two tickets left, but hopefully people will be coming. Um, so besides our event tomorrow, can you talk to let the audience know a little bit about how they could take a class with you um, and how often you do that? So I teach classes at Broadway Dance Center, Perry Dance, and EXPG. So my schedule is Tuesdays at EXPG at 4.30, Tuesdays at Perry Dance at 7.30, and Thursdays at 4.30 at the Broadway Dance Center. So you can come take a class with me. If you can't make it to any one of those classes, I've created an online training program. It's called whackingclass.com, W-A-A-C-K-I-N-G class.com. Go to whackingclass.com. Right now we have three volumes available. Each volume is between 45 minutes and an hour long. We start with basic, beginner, and then intermediate. So you can learn how to whack at home and then you can come and take class with me and you'll already be fierce and fabulous and ready for a challenge <laughs> i love it i love it well i love it so so three dance centers right and they're all in manhattan correct they're so, all in manhattan yes okay, great or you can take her online course and i have an i have a library of online courses i might have to put your course next to my branding course for artists because i think they need it i love it yes. that would be wonderful <laughs> so um any other, we've covered a lot, honestly. 
you're very easy to talk to. So um, any other bits of kind of tactical advice for entrepreneurs or artists that are entrepreneurs? Any other bits of advice you'd like to leave? Mm -hmm. Well, be prepared, you know, be prepared for what it is that you want to do, which means you have to do your research. <laughs> because as we said before, rebranding can be really difficult. So be sure of your brand before you put it out there. Um, learn many different skills and find amazing people to collaborate that share the same values of you, uh, as you, uh, you know, one of the other things, and I still struggle with this, this is a hard one, but learn how to delegate. <laughs> the most important, that's the most important thing. <laughs> yes. It, I think it really is the most important thing. I've learned that producing events every year. I'm like, okay, I need somebody else to do this. I cannot do all of this. Um, so learning how to delegate and then, you know, being kind to yourself doing whatever it is that you need to do to feel empowered. Because when you step into that superhero or step into your Wonder Woman and you work harder than you thought humanly possible for the thing that you love to do, your artistry is gonna blossom and everything that you believe in is gonna be magnified, multiplied and exaggerated. And then you will become absolutely fearless. So I believe that empowered people can make a change and they can, and they can face any adversity whether it's political, social, or economical, whether you're just trying to handle your business and, and take it off the ground. So when you feel strong, you are. So take care of yourself. Yeah, no, I love it. It's, I love it. And I love that you're so passionate about it too. You know, I think, I think that artists who are entrepreneurs, which I see in my world, um, bringing that, they bring the passion. And I think any entrepreneur needs to bring the passion to what they believe in to have the energy and the strength, right? Mm -hmm. so, so I love it. So um, I'd, like to, I'd like to thank so much Princess Lockroo for being on today. And for those of you that are attending our event tomorrow evening, six o'clock at Luminary, the Art of Entrepreneurship, you'll be able to meet Princess Lockroo in person. And the other thing is uh, um, I have a conference every year called Brand You. This year is Brand You 2020. And it's for female entrepreneurs. And it's a full day of empowering female entrepreneurs and bringing mentors and coaches to the table to help them build their thought leadership skills. They're obviously their branding skills and social media. And I actually, um, I'm right now coordinating the schedule and I want to put an entertainment piece into it. So maybe you, your schedule line will be able to do a little whacking demonstration at Brandy. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be, I think it would be awesome. Um, especially if it's the right stage. So I'm working on that. I'm working hard to make Amazing. that happen. That's wonderful. <laughs> so anyways, I want to thank you again for your time. I'm really looking forward to meeting you in person as are everyone in my audience. Um, this has been very fun <laughs> and educational and I'm sure all the artists that are entrepreneurs appreciate what you have to say. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Okay. Thanks everybody for tuning in. <laughs> Thanks everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.